You know, one of the things that I've learned in my years of ministry is that nobody sails through life. You guys ever notice that? In fact, God's word says that. It says in John 16, that in this world you will have trouble, which means that we all have problems. We all have hurts. You know, some of you have some emotional scars that nobody else sees, but they're there and they hurt. Now, another thing that I've learned in life is that one of the deepest causes of that hurt is rejection. And we all face it at different times in our lives. Rejection from parents, rejection from our peers, or from our partners, or ex-partners like ex-spouses, or even so-called friends. Some of you can even remember things that were said to you in the playground 20, 30, 40, even 50 years ago, and it still hurts today. Because we don't go let go of those things very easily. And oftentimes we are reminded of those hurts and rejections when we look into the mirror. You know, at first the image that we see is a physical one. Like for instance, when I look into this mirror, the first thing I see is that I'm a really handsome man, obviously. <laughs> What's so funny? That's not that funny, is it? <laughs> but then when I continue to look at it, I start to notice that, you know, the, the right side of my, of my mouth is a little lower than the other side. So when I look at pictures, the first thing that I notice is that my mouth is, is crooked. And now, when I need to know if I look fat in these jeans, I don't have to ask you guys. I can look at the mirror and know that it has nothing to do with the jeans, right? <laughs> because that's what mirrors are there. They allow us to see ourselves. But oftentimes, those mirrors are like the things that people put in front of us. Sometimes the society puts mirrors in front of us. Sometimes our jobs put mirrors in front of us. And growing up, the adults around your life were like mirrors. You tended to accept whatever they said as truth. So if they said things like, you're never going to amount to anything, you file that away in your hard drive, in your mind. Or if they said, you're not good. You're not good at anything. You're dumb, you're lazy, you can't do anything right. You file that, all of that data in your mind and you tended to believe it. And some of you today are still acting on that data. And as you continue to gaze into that mirror, you not only see everything that is physically wrong with you, but you start to see an image that was molded and shaped by all the hurt and all the rejection that you received over all of these years. The Bible says in Proverbs that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So you see, if you see yourself as a loser, you're going to tend to be a loser in life. If you see yourself as a victim, you're going to tend to put yourself in situations where you're going to be victimized. If you don't see yourself as a creative person, you won't create much in life. If you see yourself as a, as a failure, you're going to tend to reinforce that in your life and the way you feel about yourself, and you're going to fail. You see, it's very simple. We become self-fulfilling prophecies because the Bible says that our beliefs determine our behaviors. The way we think determines the way that we act. See, but the problem with that is that some of your beliefs are false, they're wrong. They're just plain mistaken because you picked up all kinds of beliefs growing up because some adults said it to you. You tended to accept it as gospel fact. 
You believed it, and many of you are still acting on those beliefs, even though they're not right, even though it's incorrect. It's almost like looking into one of those distorted mirrors. Have you guys ever been to some of those fun zones or some of those fun houses where they have these warped mirrors? And when you look at yourself into this distorted mirror, it gives a distorted picture of yourself. You might tend to look bigger than you are or skinnier or taller or parts of your body that look really big compared to some that looks really small. Because if you look at a distorted mirror, you get a distorted image of yourself. And many, many other things that I think you guys would agree with. Because people will do the craziest things in order to be accepted. Some people even have it in their minds that if I can just be perfect, then everybody would love me. Then everybody would accept me. Well, I'm sorry to tell you this morning that you're not perfect. And not even if you were perfect, you wouldn't be accepted. Because we all know what the Bible says about Jesus. It said that he was a perfect man and he was rejected even by his own people. Now, Jesus tells us that this issue is settled when we accept his grace. Romans tells us that Christ has accepted you. That's what his word says. And I want you guys to circle the word accepted. Because notice that there is no condition. It doesn't say Christ will accept you if you do this or that. It doesn't say Christ will accept you if you promise to be perfect. If you keep the Ten Commandments, no, it's unconditional because it is based on God's grace, which is free. It's a free gift. We, we can't earn it. It's not based on your performance. Now, I know that most of you here this morning have accepted Christ into your heart and life. So you've stepped across the line, if you will. But have you guys really ever thought about this and realized that God has accepted you? That God has accepted you just as you are today without any condition because of his grace. The Bible says that God has chosen you. He says that you have been chosen by God himself because of his grace. So you guys remember as kids how it felt good to be chosen? Like being chosen for the right team? Remember at recess or after school, there, the two popular kids would get together. They were usually the captains of the football team or the soccer team. And you just wanted to be chosen by the right team. And you would just pray to God, oh God, please don't let me be the last one to be picked. Anybody relate to that? Because I don't. I'm just kidding. <laughs> because being chosen does self-esteem a lot of good. We all know that. It does good to be chosen for an award, for a promotion, for a special recognition. Well, the Bible says that you were chosen by God. You are acceptable by his grace, not because you deserve it, but because of his grace towards you. Now, I know that some of you grew up with an unpleasant parent. No matter what you did, it was never good enough. You know, if you, if you got C's, they wanted B's. And if you got B's, they wanted A's. And if you got A's, they wanted straight A's. And if you got straight A's, they wanted you to be the president of your, of your class. No matter what you did, either they were unwilling or unable or something, they just did not give you the approval and the acceptance that you craved. You know, some of you today are still trying to earn your parents' acceptance. I mean, they may be even long gone. They may even live in another state, but in the back of your mind, you're hearing, you're never going to amount to anything, and you're thinking, I'm going to prove them wrong. I'm going to live my life just to prove those two people wrong. You're still reacting towards your parents rather than responding to your God who accepts you 
the way you are. Now, let me be honest with you this morning. If you didn't get your parents' approval or acceptance as a child, it is highly unlikely that you're going to get it as an adult. In all likelihood, they're never going to say, I approve of everything that you do. I accept you, son or daughter, unconditionally. And also let me tell you that the bottom line is that you don't need their approval. You don't need their approval to be happy in life when you have God in your heart. You know, there are nearly 6 billion people on this world, and it is okay if two of them don't like you. There are plenty of other people who will accept you and love you and not judge you and not hold you to a standard that you can meet up to. Because if God accepts you, I'm telling you this morning that they're the ones that have the problem, not you. In fact, Psalm 27 tells us that. It says, even if a mother and father forsake me, the Lord will receive me. God says, I accept you. If God accepts me and other people don't understand that and they don't accept me, then I think it's kind of their problem. But God doesn't leave it there. Then he tells you that you're valuable. Now, we all know that there are two things that determine value in life. One is who owns it. Two is that what is somebody willing to pay for it? Those two things create value, right? Now, first, the ownership determines the value of something. We all know that something that is owned by a celebrity is far more valuable than something that is owned by one of us. For instance, would a car owned by Elvis be worth more than the car that you're driving today? I think so. How about a pair of tennis shoes from Michael Jordan that Michael Jordan wore compared to your tennis shoes? You guys get the picture. How about a chair owned by a president? Would that be owned more than your chairs at home? The fact is that the owner of something adds value to something that is normally just common. Well, I want to ask you this morning. I want you to ask yourself, who do you belong to? Who is your owner? First John tells us that you belong to God. Now, imagine your value because of that scripture. When you come to Christ and say, Jesus Christ, I accept your gift of salvation. Please put me in your family. All of a sudden, you now belong to God. Now, only those who belong to God are those who choose to say, God, put me in your family. But if you've done that, then you're already part of his family and you belong to God. The ownership, remember, determines the value of something. That means that you are priceless. The other thing that determines value is what somebody's willing to pay for it. Now, I, won't, I don't know how much your house is worth, but if you paid half a million dollars, but somebody's only willing to pay $400,000 for it, then your house is worth $400,000. It doesn't matter how much you paid for it because the value is determined what somebody's willing to pay for it. It's worth whatever the market will pay for it. Well, ask yourself, how much was paid for you? Well, 1 Corinthians tells us that you have been bought and paid for by Christ. In other words, his own life he gave for you, so you belong to him, the word says. The greatest ransom ever paid was when Jesus paid for your sins and you were bought at a price. That's what we sang about this morning. That's how valuable you are. So when people say to you that you're worthless, that you are not going to amount to anything, well, I'm telling you this morning what God has to say about you. That means they're dead wrong because Jesus didn't die for junk. Jesus died for you because you are valuable to him. The Bible tells us that because of God's healing grace that you're also lovable. Now that one sure feels good when you've had a broken heart, doesn't it? And I think we all have at some point in our lives. 
when you've been rejected, you don't feel too lovable sometimes. When somebody has rejected you, I think you all agree, we all kind of feel like doofuses, right? Especially if it's a girlfriend or a, or a boyfriend or an ex-spouse, a wife, a parent, whatever. You don't feel very lovable because that's just our emotions uh, get the best of us. And you start to think in your mind, and as you look at the mirror, and you start to say the same things that nobody loves me, and then you turn on those songs that come on the radio that talk about breakups and all of these things that say that you, that, you know, everyone hates you and you're just going to go eat worms or something like that. <laughs> the Bible says this, the mountains and hills may crumble, but my love for you will never end. So says the Lord who loves you. God's love will never end. Now, there are two characteristics that make God's love different from human love. The first one is that God's love is consistent. It's never going to end. God is not fickle. God is not changing his mind every moment saying, I like you today and get lost tomorrow. God doesn't have bad hair days. God is not unpredictable. Most of us have experienced inconsistent love because we live with human beings or have lived with human beings. You know, one lady said this, growing up from day to day, I never knew whether I was going to be hugged or slugged. It depended on the mood that my mom was in. We grow up with inconsistent love. And inconsistent love produces insecure children. Well, God says, my love is never going to end for you. The second thing about God's love that is totally different than our kind of love is that God's love is unconditional. And I think that's where we need to do a little bit of work here this morning because I don't think all of us truly believe that in our hearts. It's not based on performance. It's not based on measuring up or how good you are. As human beings, we try to give unconditional love to other people but we fail miserably to our spouses or our children. And we can't do it all the time because the bottom line is that we're imperfect. And we grew up with conditional love, and that's what we tend to give to others, conditional love. When you say, I love you if you love me, that's a condition. When you say, I love you if you'll marry me, that's a condition. If you, if you, I love you if you meet my needs, but if you don't, I'm going to get upset at you. That's a condition. And obviously, when those, meet, those needs are not being met, what happens? Well, we know what happens. People divorce, people get angry at each other, people have problems in their home. People leave each other. Folks, because that's conditional love. But God says to you this morning that I love you and the story. That's it. I don't care what you did this week. Yeah, I want you to repent. That's why I want you to be here at church because I want you to understand what I, the, how much I love you so that you know how to repent. But that's it. I love you, Period. End the story. That's what he says. No conditions, no qualifiers, just my grace. You don't have to ask. I wonder if God's going to leave me tomorrow. I wonder if God's going to love me today. I wonder if God's going to love me next week. Did I pray enough? Did I spend enough quality time with God? I mean, if God is going to love me now, is he going to love me now because I, I, I just spent all this quiet time with him? None of that. that. That all kind of goes away because what he's telling you this morning is plain and simple. That's it. I love you, and that's the end of it. That's grace. And we always get ourselves into trouble when we start to doubt that grace and we start to doubt God's love. The Bible says that because of his grace that you are forgivable. 
Now, that's a good one for me, and I'm sure you would agree because I need a lot of it because I blow it all the time. I mess up all of the time. Just ask my wife. I, I make mistakes all the time. Have you ever had one of those moments or times where you just say, oh, God, just why me? Why me, God? Anybody ever be, been there like me? Well, I know I have. I've been there. I've said, why? Why would you pick me to go through that? But as if God is getting even with me. And sometimes when anything goes wrong in our life, we attribute it to God like if he's getting revenge or something. I want you to ask yourself this morning, does God really do that to his children? Well, his word tells us that he never does that. The Bible says, although it's, it's, it's normal to feel that way, that God is against you, but the Bible tells us differently. In Isaiah, he says, I am the God who forgives your sins, and I do this because you deserve it. Is that what it says? No, that's not what it says. It says, I do this because of who I am, who God is. It's not based on you deserving it. It's not based on the fact that God, it's based on the fact that God is a forgiving God. I will not hold your sins against you, says his word. And that's why we're here this morning, because we believe in his word, right? God doesn't carry grudges. Some people think that God is mad at them all the time. In fact, there was a pastor at another church, not this church, I want you to get that straight, that said that there was a lady who was always whining all the time after service, and she was always cranky. And every week she would tell the pastor of something that she was feeling guilty of. She would come to the pastor and says, this week, God really convicted me about, and then she would just name whatever she feels bad about that week. She was doing that week after week after week until finally the pastor said and asked her, does God ever say anything nice to you? Well, I want to ask you guys that question this morning. Does God ever say anything nice to you? I mean, some of you, all you hear is God saying you're not good enough either. You blew it again. Folks, let me tell you, that's not God. You're playing an old tape of an unpleasant parent who was saying you're not cutting it. You've taken an image, an imperfect image of a parent, and you put it in a God, and you made God an unpleasant parent. That's wrong. God says, I wipe it out. You are forgiven. End the story. When you come to Christ, his word says that you are forgiven. In fact, Ephesians says that through what Christ would do for us, God decided to make us holy in his eyes without a single fault. We stand before him covered with his love. Folks, that is the God that we serve. I want you to take that scripture and I want you to plant it into your heart. Because that is how he feels about you. Just accept his grace this morning. Without that, we, we shouldn't even be here if we don't believe in that. I mean, what a verse that is. It says that he decided to make us without a single fault. Before you were even born, he knew all of the dumb things that you and I were going to do. And he still created us. That's love. And he still made you and he still loves you and he still cares about you. He knew it because he's a gracious God. Now, God says that you're not only acceptable and valuable and lovable and forgivable, but he also says that you are capable. Now, that tells us this, that it doesn't matter if other people say you'll never amount to anything because the Bible says that with Christ, I am capable. And that's the real truth because remember, God never tells a lie. So in Philippians 4.13, it says, I have the strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. Another translation of that says, I can do all things through Christ who 
strengthens me. But I picked this, this translation because I really like it. And it says, I have the strength of all, for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. That is, I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. And that's important to us because we all see it when we go to the grocery store and we see all these magazines and the mourning and the epidemic of low self-esteem in our culture. I mean, we know that study after study has shown that the number one emotional need for women is low self-esteem. I mean, and that's no wonder. And it's not just women, it's men too. Because look at the way that we live. We try to live without God in our lives on a day-to-day basis. We try to be our own God. We do whatever we want, and we do it whether it's right or not. And of course, we're going to go have low self-esteem because we put other things number one in our life that shouldn't be. Now, anytime something besides God is number one in your life, you're going to be plagued by insecurity. Because for genuine security in life, you have to have something that is number one in your life that cannot be taken away from you. Now, if you base your security on how much money you have, guess what? That can be taken away from you. If you base your security on your husband or your children or anybody else in life except Jesus Christ himself, you can lose all of those things. You must have security in something that can never be taken away from you. And there's only one thing that fits that bill. A relationship to your creator God, the one we just sang about this morning, to his son Jesus Christ, that that can never be taken away from you. Then if you lose everything else, even your health, you still have that security. So then the question this morning is, how how do you reverse that curse? Of all the things that people said to you that stuck with you all of your life, how do you reverse that? But we start by listening to the truth. By filling your mind with what God says about you that I just read to you. That's a scale in your mind. That is a weight in your mind that you've heard all of these negative things about yourself all of this time. So you have to start by putting little pebbles on the other side of the scale. And the the more you put God's truth on the other side, pretty soon the scales, the balance is going to tip in your favor. And the truth and the depression and the hurt and the pain and the scars are slowly going to be removed as we start, as we start to put God's word into our, into our minds. God says in 1 Peter, once you were less than nothing, now you are God's own. When you fill your mind with God's truth, then Romans 15 will be true in your life that says, may the God of hope, and this is my prayer for you this morning, may the God of hope fill you with joy that by the power of the Holy Spirit, your whole life and outlook may be radiant, just radiant with hope. What a beautiful scripture to take home today. God wants to fill your life with a radiance of hope. In Christ, you are worthwhile. Now, I know that after a message like this, a lot of us are kind of rethinking all those things that were said about us. And that means that you've had some major hurt in your life. You've carried scars, hidden wounds, the pain of rejection in life from somebody who you considered important. Now, I want to tell you this morning that as I read and I prayed, I need to tell you that I'm sorry for all of your pain. 
And I want you to know that God hurts with you. Remember, God walked on this earth with us. He knows exactly the pain that you're going through because he was rejected the same way. And I want you to know that there's a family here called Canyon Hills that hurts with you and cares about you and wants you to understand God's word and can give you help as well. Just let us know. We want to walk with you in that way. And if you don't have a church home, we invite you to become part of us and find that help. Help in healing and help in hope and another chance to reformat that hard drive that we've been talking about. You can be healed of a broken heart if you will open up your life to the grace of God and the power of Jesus and what he has to say about you rather than somebody else. It is possible. So I want to encourage you this morning as we close to take this outline that you have in front of you. I'm sure all of you guys have all bunch of kinds of notes on it. I'm just kidding. But take this outline and cut it up into five parts. There's five points, remember. And put it into some cards, some, somewhat like flashcards, and keep them with you this week. And every day, this week, Monday through Friday, take out the first of them and read it and understand what God has to say about you. Because study after study has shown that your self-esteem, your self-worth, tends to be defined by what you think the most important in your life says about you. So to a large degree, the way you see yourself and the way you feel about yourself is determined by what you think the most important person in your life is going to say or is going to do or is going to tell you to do. Now, if that's true, I want to suggest to you this morning that you would make Jesus Christ that person that you would make Jesus Christ the most important person in your life because he says that you're acceptable, that you are valuable, that you are lovable, that you are forgivable, and that you are capable. So the bottom line is this. Who are you going to believe? Somebody else or what God says? Because at the end of all this we're doing this morning, it's ultimately your choice. God has given you a freedom to choose one way or another. You can believe what other people say about you which are not true and imperfect and distorted mirrors or you can believe what God says about you. You can believe his word. You can believe his truth. Know that he never tells a lie. His mirror, believe the mirror that he has placed for you and the only mirror that we should be using and accept that healing grace this morning. May that be you this morning. Will you pray with me? Father, we are just grateful to you this morning for your word. We're grateful, Lord, that you can just bring your word into our hearts, Lord, and know that you have something special for us and you have something else to say besides what other people say about us. Father, thank you that you can heal broken hearts and bitter memories and damaged self-esteem. Thank you that the patterns can be erased and reversed through your grace. Thank you, Jesus, that you can turn nobodies into somebodies. We love you for that, Father. Jesus, today I ask you to touch hurting hearts. I ask you to heal hurting minds. Father, And may your healing touch of love be upon everyone this morning that needs it. That you would give it according to your will and in abundance, Father. Lord, I ask that you will save people today and help them see themselves through your eyes. Now, this morning, I'm not going to embarrass you, but if that's you and you just want a special blessing or a special prayer and you're remembering all those things that, we, that you've gone through, I just want you to repeat this after me. Say, dear God, I, I never understood this before, but I thank you 
that you have accepted me totally into your family and by your grace. Today, I accept you into my life, Father, and I want to have a relationship with you. So help me to see myself not by the old tapes of the past, but by the way that you see me. Father, I thank you that in your eyes I am forgivable because of your forgiveness. And as best as I know how, Father, I will follow you and remember what you have to say about me. Father, I love you this morning, and I just ask that you would just heal my heart. Lord, as surely as you live, Lord, as your people cry out to you, your word says that you would answer them in their time of need. May that be the case this morning, Father. And with an expectant heart, I just ask that you would just bless every single person in this room, not because of us, but because your word says that you will. We love you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.